to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. Today, I'm joined by Alana Wexler, who is the founder of Green Arrow Digital, which is a PPC, pay-per-click agency and she's also the founder of teachtraffic.com. We chat through some of Alana's tips and they're pretty practical around things that you can do to improve the way that you're using Google ads or Facebook ads as she covers some really some low-hanging fruit of things that you can implement pretty simply in your business to get results. That's one component of the episode and then the other is hearing about Alana's transition from running her agency to focusing on her education business, teachtraffic.com. And I found that really interesting, her thought process in, in, in working out where she wanted to spend her time and how she made that transition. And as you will have been, or if you've been listening regularly on the Bean Ninjas podcast, you will have heard that I've been focusing on building financial literacy training products. And we're still absolutely running the agency side of Bean Ninjas with delivering done for you bookkeeping, financial reporting, and dashboard reporting. But we're really focused on building out the education side of things too. And so it was interesting getting Alana's perspective on her thought process around why she came to that conclusion and then also how she's gone about implementing that so that she can focus on building the education part of her business. Hey, Alana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a to- it's my uh, it's my pleasure. It was funny. We were talking a few weeks back and I was on your podcast and then we were having a little chat afterwards about education and running agencies. And I was really interested in your story. I thought, oh, I have to get you back onto the Bean Ninjas podcast to, to share not only the story, but also some of your knowledge around traffic. So really excited to have you here and have this chat. Do you want to start by sharing with the audience a little bit about your backstory in terms of your agency and how you got started with that? And then we'll dig into that, the evolution. Yeah, sure. So I've had, I guess, an interesting story, but I guess everyone's story is interesting on some level, of course, right? But um, I'm not your typical story of um, I always dreamed of opening my own, starting my own business or whatever. I'm quite the contrary, actually. I come from a corporate background. I worked for 10 years in sort of funds management, institutional funds management as a data analyst. And I loved my job, actually. I loved, I didn't love corporate and the politics that came with it, but I loved the work that I did. It was really challenging. I worked with really smart people and I just, yeah, as I said, I really enjoyed the work and um, or every day was different, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, but my life took a bit of a, a left and an abrupt left turn, as you say, when I had my first kid. Actually, I went on maternity leave and had every intention of returning to my very happy job, but um, I had a bit of a complication in my pregnancy, which resulted in my child coming a bit early. And as such happens, when your health scare comes into play, you reevaluate life and all that kind of stuff. So I um, decided that I couldn't really leave my child and go back to work. I 
did the maths. I used to work pretty much from like seven to seven, seven in the morning to seven at night. And then when I had my son, I was like, hang on a minute, he's only awake from seven to seven. When exactly am I going to see him <laughs> if I go back to my job? And so it became a bit of a no-brainer to decide not to go back to my job because obviously I chose family over my career. And it's just unfortunate that one does need to make that choice. I mean, it was an easy choice, obviously, choosing my son over my career, but it was, I guess, unfortunate that it wasn't really a flexible work environment that I could to do. So that kind of sparked my journey like into working for myself. And I had no idea what I was going to do. And it was a really tough time, actually. So I kind of sat back one day and I thought, oh, God, well, you know, what are my skills here? You know, so obviously I had really honed. Microsoft Excel skills. I basically spent 10 years living in a spreadsheet. You could probably appreciate given your background as well. And I used to build really complex spreadsheets, like linking it with databases because I used to be a programmer as well. So I was like, it was all very complicated spreadsheets that, you know, back in my days, a data analyst used to make one change and take 10 minutes for the spreadsheet to, to update because there were so many formulas and all these functions and stuff. Anyway, so I thought, well, I've got really good Excel skills what can I do with that? So, I mean, this is going back 11 years now. So, I put an ad on Gumtree, which is, you know, Australia's equivalent of like a Craigslist saying, you know, for Excel help, does it, um, and I'll build people's spreadsheets was my offer. This is how desperate I was. And to my surprise, people responded to this ad that I put out on Gumtree for free. And I actually got some decent work out of it. So, I'm like, decent medium-sized businesses contacted me and I thought, oh, hang on a minute, i got a bit of a business here, so I need a website. So I bought the domain excelhelp.com.au and um, I taught myself how to build a website, which wasn't that hard because I did used to be a programmer, built my first website and then to my surprise, no one came to my website. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, well, how does one get people to a website? So I started ringing around different agencies and so that kind of actually sparked my adventure and journey into web traffic actually and then I very quickly dropped my excelhelp.com.au and that's probably a whole other story of my online journey. But yeah, that's, um, that's my background, a bit of a long answer to a short question. Sorry about that. <laughs> Okay, that's great. And then it really creates the why that you wanted to, to know about traffic. Well, you've got a, a website, but, but no one's going to it. And so how did you start teaching yourself about traffic and, and how did that then evolve into your agency? Yeah, honestly, I became quite obsessed with it, actually. Purely out of necessity, I was so determined to work out how I can have a flexible work environment because I just was so passionate about not leaving my son and putting him in daycare. And he was quite, he was a very clingy kid. He was very attached to me and obviously I was to him. And I mean, I couldn't even leave him with a nanny. He would just always cry. So I became quite obsessed with how I can learn traffic. So what I started doing was, um, I guess this is the data analyst in me, is there's a website called Flipper. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a basically a website where people buy and sell other people's websites. It's kind of like a marketplace where people – so I thought if I look at Flipper, if I analyze these listings, it will reveal all these different business models. So I analyze these listings to see what people are doing, what businesses, uh, people, online businesses people have built and 
what are the business models that they're doing? So some people had an affiliate marketing website that they built and some people had content and, and, I, and like this completely fascinated me. It was a world that I hadn't even, didn't even know existed and it was a whole world. I mean, especially in the US, as I said, this is going back 11 years ago now. And so I analyzed these business listings and um, I started trying to do affiliate marketing and failed miserably at it. Like I was absolutely terrible because I wasn't a copywriter. And then um, so Flipper also had a listing which sold for $80,000 and it was a content site. And I thought, oh, my God, like it was making $5,000 a month. And I thought, oh, my God, like if I can make $5,000 a month, then, you know, like that's more than enough that I can – live on happily and I don't have to go back to my old job, even though I was earning more in my old job, but it was like sufficient, you know, like once you factor in childcare and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, this particular guy who was, who sold this site on Flipper was selling a report on how he built out this content site. He was selling this report for a hundred dollars. So I bought this report and let me tell you, I followed this and it was like, it was basically teaching you how to do SEO. So I followed this report to the letter. Like if he would have said on day two, jump on one leg, I would have done it. I just did everything that he said in this report and it totally worked actually. So I started building out content sites and having, it's basically an SEO game and it was mastering keyword research to see what are the expensive keywords and how you can rank for them and that sort of about, I mean, the whole game's changed now. I wouldn't definitely wouldn't do this business model now but as I said this is going back so long ago now when it was like the cowboy days you could so anyway so I followed this report and I learned how to rank and I got really good I used to learn how to rank in Google for certain terms within like 10 minutes of me publishing a blog post but anyway that whole was basically a house of cards and that came crashing down a few years later but the moral of that journey and that story is that I mastered SEO, even though I don't do SEO, but keyword research and traffic and long tail keywords and that kind of stuff. And so when Google had an update and my business came crashing down overnight, which is why I don't recommend people do this business model now, I decided to build a proper business and flip the equation and actually run Google ads. So instead of being enemies with Google, like I was with SEO, where it's a whole cat and mouse game with Google, I thought I'd better become friends with Google and actually run Google ads and a new keyword research anyway, which is the fundamentals of Google search and and all that kind of stuff. And so I just flipped the equation and that's how I started my journey into agency work. And I had a friend of mine in the space who was looking. So I said to a friend of mine one night, look, I I think I want to do Google ads and and run Google ads for people because it's like an easy transition for me, but I just, I don't have any clients. I don't have a business to test this on he said look I've got an agency we need an AdWords person do you want to use this client as a case study for you and I was like hell yeah he gave me my first client that was my first foray into Google ads and agency work and yeah that's going back seven years ago and kind of like the rest is history and so where did you take that agency over over the period of over the last seven years What's been the evolution with that business? It has honestly far exceeded my expectations of where I ever thought it would go. And um, it's funny, it's, you know, it's one of those things that like you start something. So I started the agency just to learn it. And I thought, well, this is a really good skill to have. And who knows where I end up. It wasn't a goal of mine to 
grow a big agency. It, it never was and it kind of never has been actually, but it's one of those things that I thought I'm going to do this to really master a skill and I want to become a real ninja at traffic and then who knows where it takes me from there. And so fast forward seven years, you just I just put my head down and worked really, really hard and built it up to be really big and I suddenly, I just sort of actually like a few months ago actually, I was in Miami speaking at an event on Google Ads actually and I just, it just felt kind of like the penny dropped for me a little bit. I thought, hang on a minute, like here I am halfway across the side of the world talking about Google ads and I've got all these clients and this agency work, like, is this what I really wanted, you know, but which the answer was no, actually, <laughs> but I beca- almost became, it sounds really bad, but like a victim of my own success. Like I actually, and I still do absolutely love the work. Like I find it truly fascinating work that I do, but um, my goal was to never grow a big agency. I just, I love the data behind it. I love the psychology behind it. And it's like solving a puzzle. But yeah, to answer your question of where my agency evolved to, like we've literally got clients all around the world, some really big name clients that, um, you know, people in the industry have heard of. I've got the amazing opportunity to speak about Google ads to big audiences. Like I was I speak at Social Media Marketing World, you may have heard of, and other smaller sized conferences. So I've ended up in a place that I n- honestly and genuinely never, ever thought I would end up. But I think it's just because I love it and I just became really passionate about it. And it's, I find the work so fascinating. And I'm not one of those people that like suffers from lack of motivation. I almost have to stop myself from working because I do genuinely find the work very interesting. And I think that's quite an interesting position to be in where you're, you love the work, but the more work you, you get, or, and this is something that I found in my business, the more work that comes in, the bigger a business grows, the less time you actually spend doing the work. And, and it becomes more about managing a team or, or managing or growing a business and, and all of the other, the admin, the accounting, the everything else that goes alongside it. So it sounds like you might have had that realization in Miami where, as you said, you were speaking at that event, enjoying what you're doing, but then you also had client work that needed to be done. What was your thought process around coming to that realization? What were some of the factors that you were thinking about? Yeah, look, agency work is, it's a really tough business actually. And it's tough as an agency owner because you so I've got a very specialized agency where we only do Google ads and Facebook ads. Like I don't do SEO. I don't do web design. It's like, it's literally all we do. So it's tough because many business owners feel that traffic is the answer to all their problems. And they come to me often and it's awful. And I feel so bad for these business owners, but they come to me so desperate and they think that, buying more traffic is going to solve all their business problems. And it often does it like your traffic is only, it's an important piece of the pie, but it's not the pie itself. So agency work is tough managing clients' expectations because many clients feel that um, this is going to save their business and it, and it often doesn't. And I never would make that illusion to business owners that this is going to solve all their business problems. Yeah. So agency work is I found very taxing. 
on me emotionally because whenever we took on a client, I really wanted it to work for people. But at the end of the day, like if I'm trying to sell somebody's widget, let's say, and run Facebook ads and Google ads trying to sell their widget, if people don't want their widget, I can't dress it up anymore (laughs) than I can. You know, I can buy the best traffic in the world, but at at the end of the day, if people don't want the widget, I can't make them buy, you know. So I found that very difficult on me sort of emotionally and dealing with, and maybe that's just because I'm a mum, I've got three kids now, that um, dealing with just the, the level of client expectations and especially when you've got multiple clients. So when I was in Miami, we were having this, issue with this client I mean it wasn't an issue like there was just trying to sort out some stuff and due to the time difference I was literally up till five in the morning on a phone call with the client because of the time difference it's not their fault it was my fault I was in Miami you know and it's just really it's just tough work so it just kind of um it took its toll on me in the last seven years and then I just I guess yeah I just stood back and I thought hang on a minute like I love the work but it's managing client expectations and and as you say like once you start getting to a a certain size you've got to employ people and you're not doing the work and I was like I'm not doing the work that I love you know and it became a bit joyless and I thought this is not why I'm doing this this is not why I've started it so I ended up selling half my agency actually and just keeping a handful of really clients that I've had for a really long time. I have a wonderful relationship with them. They very much view me as being a partner in their team rather than an enemy. You know, some some people think agency is the enemy. Well, it's actually the opposite. Like as an agent, somebody who runs an agency, like I'm aligned with the business owner to make it work. I mean, people have had such awful experiences with other agencies. So I understand how they feel that, but I'm as aligned to make it work as the business owner and I often treat the budget that they give me to spend on their behalf as my own money. So um, it can be quite, I guess, taxing, which is why um, the Miami penny dropped for me. (laughs) Does that answer your question? It does. And so then where did you decide to focus? I I know that we've known each other over, over the years and I've seen some of the things that you've been doing in the education space and around challenges. And so how long have you been doing education? And it sounds like you then decided to make it. Was that the decision that you made to sell part of the agency and then focus on education? So, yeah, probably about three years ago, I got approached by Sydney Uni, so Sydney University, to run uh, full-day workshops. So not to students, but to business owners. So to teach Google Ads and Google Analytics. So I thought, oh, okay, this sort of fell in my lap. Why not? I'll give this a try. And that was like my first foray into teaching. And I really enjoyed it. And I used to run like workshops once every six weeks. And that was it. Like it's not like it was a curriculum and it wasn't like part of a degree or anything. And um, so I thought, well, let's try this because as this journey has been, things have just fallen in my lap. And I've just said yes, you know, as to, to try it on for size. So I did that. And I really enjoyed it. So then I've been, as I said, teaching for three years. So then about two years ago, I launched an online training because lots of people from uni wanted more training. So I thought, oh, hang on a minute, maybe I can do some online videos. So I launched an online membership about probably about two years ago. And I ran my agency in conjunction with the online training, kind of like a catamaran, like two hulls of the one business. And I just really enjoyed the teaching part. But what I found was agency work just kind of kept pulling me away from the teaching part, just 
squeaky wheel kind of thing, like clients jumping up now, we need this, we need that. It just kind of kept dragging me away from the teaching side of things. So as I said, yeah, with perspective in, in Miami, I just thought, hang on a minute, like I really enjoy the teaching. It's growing nicely, but I spend zero time and effort in trying to grow it purely because agency work just takes up too much of my time. That kind of doesn't make much sense. So yeah, so that's when I decided to sell half the agency and just have a handful of clients, as I said, and focus entirely on the teaching side of things. So I then um, am about to launch a new website called teachtraffic.com and that will just be all about education and um, really focusing on growing that because that's what I love and I can then do the work that I love, which is the traffic side and then teach it. So that's kind of how it evolved. And what are the key things that you teach or what do your students, what's the objective they're, they're trying to achieve? I mean, it's, it sounds like the overarching theme is traffic. Is it broken? Do you have different courses or how do you structure that and what kind of things do you teach? Yeah, so it is an online, I guess, membership, right, where I've got a bunch of different courses. So I've got a full course on Google Ads. I've got a full course on Facebook Ads. I've got a full course on Google Analytics. And I'm teaching people how to run their own traffic. So often it's either the business owner themselves that want to not have an agency, maybe they've been burnt by an agency, which is super common, or they've got an agency, but they want to bring it in-house, which is also becoming more and more common, where you know business owners want to kind of have control as to the traffic that they're running because it's actually very, very important to the growth of their business. So I teach either the business owner or their staff members how to run their own traffic without needing an agency so you just pay like a flat monthly fee and you get access to all that training so it's kind of like netflix where you can watch it all in one go or just drip feed it but i guess the difference is i'm in there every day answering people's questions so people ask questions what do i think of this what do i think of that they they send me screenshots of let's say ad copy that they're running or what's the strategy that they should do because strategy is very important and i help I basically do exactly like what I do in an agency. The only difference is that I'm not doing the implementation. I'm just telling them what I would do if they were in my agency. You know, having done a million and one different strategies in every possible conceivable niche or vertical out there, I've seen trends. I know what works. I know what doesn't work. Obviously, there are nuances in industries, but generally speaking, I know what works and and what doesn't and yeah there's definitely trends so if we dig into the broad topic of traffic for a moment and we'll go back to your agency days if you were to start working with a small business they have a, a digital presence but they've never really done much with traffic before they've never really done google ads facebook ads or anything like that how would you approach that so how, how would you figure out whether traffic was the right method for them and then would there be any things they needed to have in place for it to be effective? That's a really good question. So I deal with these kinds of businesses all the time where they've got some of an online presence. They probably don't get a huge amount of traffic, but they've got obviously traction through online and offline marketing. So often what I say to people is to start with 
what's called a retargeting or a remarketing campaign. So it's just a bit of jargon, but basically people who come to your website and then leave, the idea is that you show just those people an ad purely based on the fact that they've come to your website before. So say you come to my website, teachtraffic.com, you have a look around, you think, okay, that looks interesting, but I'm going to think about it and come back later. The mere fact that you've come to my website means that you're on an imaginary remarketing list. So I put a certain tracking code on my website such that I remember the people who have come to my website. Obviously, I don't know their name or any kind of personal information. It's just been, it's like cookie-based or, you know, tag-based. And then I can show that person an ad for the mere fact that, you know, yesterday they came to my website. So often that is the best starting point for business owners. And because it's the lowest hanging fruit, you don't have to overcome the hurdle of showing someone ad when they don't know what your business is. Like, well, who, who is this? I've never heard of this person before. You know that they've heard of you because they've come to, they've literally come to your website like yesterday. And therefore the fact that they didn't contact you or buy or, or whatever it is you want them to do, doesn't necessarily mean they don't they're not interested in your business and they don't want what you sell. It might've just mean that life kind of got in the way for them and perhaps the phone rang or one of their kids hurt themselves or did something as often as the case for me with three young children. So starting with a retargeting campaign is often the lowest hanging fruit for businesses. It's super cheap to run. You can run it on like literally $5 a day and yields the best return on investment. So for nine out of 10 businesses, I say to them, start with retargeting. If you can't get those people to take some kind of action with you, it doesn't have to be a purchase. It could be them filling in a contact form or downloading some kind of useful information, whatever it is your business offers, then chances are there's a problem with what you're showing them. It's a problem with your offer. So I often say to people, show those people a different offer. And it's a great testing ground to test what's something good that you can run online on a really warm and forgiving audience. Does that kind of make sense? It does. Absolutely. And so what would be the next step? So say they've implemented retargeting and as you said, that's low-hanging fruit. So they're starting to get some returns on that. What would be the next step? Well, in order to do retargeting, you need to install the tracking codes from the ad accounts on your website. So Google and Facebook, they're not friends with each other. So Google Google Ads or Google AdWords have their own tracking code that you need to install on your website, kind of like Google Analytics code, and the same with your Facebook ad account, the Facebook Pixel. So both those tracking codes go on your website, and by installing them on your website, it's kind of like pressing record on a tape recorder. You're remembering the people who've come to your website So then you're ready to go and then you need to start creating what's called retargeting lists. So it will remember those people who've come to your website. So you create, let's say, a seven-day list, which remembers everyone who's come to your website in the last seven days, or you can do 30 days, or you can even do, for Google, 540 days. It will remember everyone who's come to your website in the last year and a half, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Obviously, if they clear their cookies, they've been wiped, but most people don't clear their cookies that frequently. So you can theoretically show those people an ad. 
So provided you've installed the tracking codes, you've set up your lists, then you can create what's called a retargeting campaign and show those people an ad. Personally, I like to create either a seven-day retargeting list or a 14-day retargeting list so that I'm not showing the same people the same ad over and over again. So if somebody comes to my website in the last seven days, they are automatically put on my seven-day retargeting list. I show them an ad, let's say, for my free video course that I offer. If they don't come back, if they don't click on that ad and they don't come back in seven days, they've fallen off that seven-day list and I'm not showing them an ad anymore. So it's just a good way of reminding them, hey, you were here in the last seven days. I don't say that in my ad, but if you don't come back, then I assume your lack of clicks means that you're just not interested and I never show you an ad again as just one kind of example. What you can also do is you can also upload a database to Facebook. You can do it on Google, but you need to have spent more than $50,000 in the lifetime of that account, which most businesses haven't. So it's a little bit more tricky with Google, but Facebook don't have as tight a restrictions. So if you've got a database of name and email addresses that let's say you've developed offline through, I don't know, lots of different ways, you can upload that database to Facebook, that name, email address, and phone numbers. It's not available to anyone. So although I'm not a lawyer, people always wonder, oh, is that okay for privacy reasons? You know, it's uploading it to your ad account and you can show those people an ad. And I really like doing that. I really like showing an ad to database people because these days, email open rates are not 100% and it's a good way of trying to show people what you've got to offer without them having to open an email, etc. And also they end up sharing the ad and tagging friends, etc. Does that make sense? It does. And I've also wanted to ask you about how to choose because not many people, well, I don't know many people that know or have gone in depth on both Facebook ads and Google ads. So is it a pick one or the other? Is it both? How do you decide which is, is right for which kind of business or, or which kind of offer? Yeah, and it's it so depends on the kind of business. If you've got a kind of business where it's a known product or service that you're offering and people are searching for it, it would make sense to me to do Google search ads. So say, for example, for when you had a consulting business as an accountant, you might want to get in front of people who type into Google small business accountant and insert Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane or, or whatever. That would be obvious. Like you're sliding your business card under the nose of someone at literally the instant that they have searched for that there's intent you're not trying to convince them that they need to change accountants you know that they want to count it because they've literally just typed it into google so if you've got a business where people are searching for something they've got an itch that needs to be scratched it might make sense to do google search for the mere fact of that level of intent there So that's the good part of Google search. The bad part of Google search is that it is really expensive. You pay for that privilege. It's an amazing advertising opportunity because someone has literally just gone to Google to type it in, but you pay for that privilege with the cost per click. So you need to set it up in such a way that it's structured properly and you're not sort of wasting money on bad clicks because they are expensive clicks. If, however, you have got a kind of business where 
you know, let's say you're not really, people aren't really searching for it or it's, or it's a really social type thing, then you might find Facebook ads could be really good. But having said that, it's all in how you use the platforms. Like people seem to forget that Facebook, it's a social platform. It's a social network. And they often try and sell straight off the bat with their Facebook ads. And I often use this example where if you're walking down, I don't know, a shopping center and you walk into a shop and this, if you walk into a shop and the second you walk into a shop, a shop assistant comes up to you with a dress in hand and says, and says to you, Hey, do you want to buy this dress? And like, you've literally taken one foot inside this shop. You'd be like, Whoa, no, I mean, I've, I've just stepped in. I, I, I want to look around and, and I want to maybe try a couple of dresses on and, and then maybe I will consider buying one, but like, I want to browse, right? And people treat their Facebook ads in exactly that same manner. They just go straight to, hey, do you want to buy this? They haven't built a relationship with someone. They haven't let them peruse their content. They haven't let them explore and understand who they are as a business. And so they treat their ads in that respect. So although I don't go to Facebook to buy new brake pads for my car, right? That's, I would go to Google for that. Would I be interested if there was an article on Facebook about the warning signs that I need new brake pads for my car because I drive around a big family vehicle with my three kids and we're taking kids from soccer practice to dance practice, etc. Yeah, like that would interest me and the warning signs because I don't know. And then I might want to run Google ads of the people who've read that article because then I, you know. So it's all in how you use the platform is in how you decide which one to use. So it's so different for different businesses, which is why I think so many business owners struggle with strategy. You know, they're all trying to make back their money from the second they spend the money on ads. They're trying to get that return on investment rather than thinking about the sequence of events for people. That makes great sense. Well, Alana, thank you so much for coming on the show. Two final questions. Did you have any other parting words around traffic or anything else that you think might be helpful or relevant from your business journey? And then the second question is where is the best place for the audience to find you if they wanted to get in touch or be interested in learning more about your course? So first question, did I have any tips? It depends on on the business, obviously. I'm a big believer in using both platforms in a nice way. I think so often people just focus on one platform. So let's say Facebook ads works really well for their business, then that's all they do. And I'm a big believer in using more than one platform because we live in a multi-device, multi-platform world and people are on more than one platform. And it's really risky to build your business just from one platform. And I have seen so dealt with so many business owners who have built their business very successfully using Facebook ads, for example, and then Facebook literally one day to the next has shut down their account and that can and does happen. Often with no recourse, they can just do that. So business owners haven't built out an insurance policy. So I personally do like using both platforms. Even if you just do a tiny little bit on Google, it's worthwhile having some kind of strategy that you can do on both platforms. So that would be my parting advice. And yeah, if people want to find out how to get some help with running ad campaigns and stuff like that, I guess they can go to teachtraffic.com and 
This should be live any day now, so maybe by the time this episode comes out, it will be live, this new website. I think it redirects to my agency, which is called greenarrowdigital.com, but either way, it will come to me. So, yeah. Great. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Really enjoyed the chat. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Bean Ninjas podcast. Here are three ways to grow your freedom business faster. Number one, download our free Zero Small Business Toolkit. Go to beanninjas.com forward slash podcast gift and use our cash flow forecasting template as well as the other resources available. Number two, subscribe to this podcast. Don't miss another episode as we'll be bringing you more inspiring guests, small business finance and zero tips, and also an inside look at how we are growing Bean Ninjas into a global brand. Finally, they say the best way to retain what you learn is to share or teach what you've learned with someone else. So leave a review on iTunes with your key takeaway from this episode. Alternatively, you could also post and share this podcast on social media. Be sure to tag us at Bean Ninjas or use hashtag Bean Ninjas on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. This will help us to grow our community and help even more small business owners to create freedom through stress-free finances. So once again, download, subscribe, and share. That link again, beanninjas.com forward slash podcast gift. Catch you on the next episode.